Welcome back to the Time for Heroes podcast. This week on the podcast, I've got Scott Powell, who is the front man of uh, Stoke Band Caymans. Is that the right way of pronouncing it? Yeah, you got it, man. Um, a yeah. lot of people don't get it right. We've had every variation imaginable. And then some people stick the the on the front, which always really winds us up. So you haven't, <laughs> you haven't called us the Caymans, which we get all the time. Just Caymans, which is great. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, so we're going to talk about the band's career. I've got a new single coming out next Friday, and then in May, debut album comes out. But before that, we're going to get back to the start. Um, so what was life like for a young Scott Powell growing up? Where did you grow up? Um, what was school like and your first phrase into music? All that sort of yeah, I mean, so I'm from Stoke-on-Trent. We're all from Stoke-on-Trent, like um, Midlands. So <laughs> most of the time describing it, it's like Bolton Towers or near Manchester. That's, that's what we say because most people don't know where we are. Um, but yeah, Stoke-on-Trent. Um, yeah, I, I kind of got into music at that age, like 13, 14, 15 in high school when you, you know, you're kind of figuring out where you fit, I suppose, in like, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I could always... I'd always sung, like I'd always done like karaoke and stuff on holidays and things like that. And then around like, I don't know, around that age, I'd always been good with words as well. I always really enjoyed like writing stuff, wordplay and, you know, um, ideas and things like that. I always got a buzz out of that. Um, so I just kind of like married the two. And at first I was just writing, I suppose they were just like kind of poems really, but like to tunes. So they, were, they weren't really songs, but, you know, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> they had the structure of like songs without me being able to play anything to Progressive in the songs. Yeah. So about 14, 15, I, you know, um landed with like a group of lads in high school who played guitars and things like that. And I thought maybe this is maybe this is where I fit. Maybe I'm like a, a music person. You know, I'd grown up on like the Beatles and like mum and dad big music fans. So like my mum's all like 70s stuff, like Zeppelin and Floyd and all <laughs> and then my mum and my dad's all like slightly older stuff, stones and kinks and um yeah. <laughs> Uh, Beatles, obviously. Um, so, yeah. like, I've always like been around, you know, Fleetwood Mac and just great Carol King, great songwriters, Dylan, all Paul Simon, all this kind of stuff, like the the Pantheon, you know, the the, the names. Really, I'd, I'd grown up listening to stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I think around about fourteen, fifteen, I just decided that songwriter was better than poems. I think, <laughs> and right. started writing a play to to be able to do it really. And was there any kickback for your parents or were they quite happy for you to kind of pursue this career? I think, um, the way, I mean, yeah, they've always been completely supportive, to be fair. I mean, um, like one of the things that like I think is really, um, really important in terms of like why, I think um, my old man was a really good footballer when he was like younger, like really good. Like, mm-hmm. so, <laughs> so other people tell me as well. Um, <laughs> my, my granddad, um, whilst he was... Um, you know, great dad and all the rest of it. He wasn't particularly interested in football. So he never used to like go and see him play or, you know, um, not particularly encouraging in terms of like, you know, yeah, you know, how, how some parents can be. Um, so I think um, maybe as a knock on effect to that, like um, my mum and dad have never missed gigs all my life. Whenever they could get there, they've got there. And I think in general, the way I've always explained it to them is that um, I could do anything. But like, while well, I've got the chance to do something that I genuinely love, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna do everything I can to do it, um, because there isn't anything I want to do that I'm gonna put everything into really, um, and I can't think of another way to explain it that 
that makes sense other than that. And I think they totally get that. Um, and they can see that I give everything, I put everything I've got into it and always have done. Um, so, yeah, they, yeah. as well, long as... But I, long I, they, I've been looking on your Instagram today as well and um, I've been right all the way back. So I, I can see you've you've, <laughs> you've been working harder to, for, for years to, to get to where you are now. Um, yeah, man, absolutely. Years, definitely. <laughs> I think <laughs> um, it's a learning process, you know, like uh, I always call that doing music, it's a bit like playing snakes and ladders. Like you'll you'll get so far in your musical journey and then something will come along that you've not encountered before. And because you've not encountered it, same as anything new that you encounter in life, you tend to make a mess of it. And then when you do, the wheels come off whatever project you've been going at and you go back down the snake and then you have to get back to there again before you can kick on. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think like, unless you're lucky enough to have like, you know, an absolutely wedged mum and dad or <laughs> like, you know, nepotism, family connections that can get you through the ranks quickly. Um, yeah. If, if the, only you had Bono as your dad. I'm not saying anything. Yeah, the music's great. Um, but yeah, I'm sure having Bono as your dad doesn't half help you in all sorts. Yeah. You know, my yeah. dad asked me a reader, do you know what I mean? <laughs> so obviously, as I said, I was looking back on your Instagram um, and at some point, Caymans, before it was Caymans, there was a band called Lazy Eye. Yeah. yeah, um, so was, was there anything before Lazy Eye? Oh, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I um, I joined um, my first band, like, at 16. Like, a bit going back to... A bit going back to what I've just said about, like, once I realised that it was what it, I wanted to do, couldn't really foresee me putting any time or effort into anything else and properly pursuing it. Um, so about 16, 17 in college, I joined my first covers band. And at like 16, 17, I was going around the country and playing Beatles and Kinks and Stones covers in like Butlins and Haven Holiday Parks and stuff like that. And like, I'm getting paid quite well for it as well. So like at a time when like my mates couldn't even get like a normal working wage, I was out doing something I absolutely loved um, every weekend, you know, and earning like three, 400 quid a weekend just playing music. And um, I remember just thinking, like, I remember getting like the, the uni perspectives with all the all the courses I could have gone and done at uni and just like, just looking at them going, there's nothing I'm going to put any effort into here because I just love this so much. Um, so yeah, so, so like I've had two or three incarnations in different like, different cover bands and original bands up until like my mid twenties. Um, and then Lazy Eye started as like a solo project, basically. Like I, um, I kind of got to a point where it's like, if I'm doing it, I'm doing it my way. I kind of back myself to make the decisions that I think are right. And if I'm going to, if I'm going to succeed or fail, I'm going to succeed or fail on the back of my own, intuition and what I think is the right thing to do so I started my own thing and essentially I just made records in a studio I hadn't got a band I just made records in a studio with a producer after you know tuning up the songs I'd written and yeah um, the band grew around it really I got to a point where I needed a band so um, Corbs the guitarist saw some of the records I'd released and liked him he messaged online and said have you got a guitarist and I hadn't so we had a jam and we clicked and uh, me knew Josh, the other guitarist who then joined, um, and then we found Luke, the drummer, on a uh, uh, like a Muso website, or uh, looking for original bands to join. Um, mm -hmm. And then we were lazy eye for a bit, and as we grew together, we we kind of started writing together as opposed to just playing my songs. And then it became its own thing, so we needed its own fresh start. So like, came and started in about twenty seventeen on the on the back of that, really. Right. And where did the name Caymans come from? It was the inspiration behind that. 
Oh, it's just the the most annoying thing naming any band. Like <laughs> when four of you sit in a room trying to name a band, like everybody can think of a reason for every suggestion as to why you shouldn't pick that name. Uh, I think Caymans, we like it's like the might be like the crocodile, you know, not the Tory tax haven, like the, the little crocodiles, like you yeah. know. Um, <laughs> so we uh, we I think we heard that on like a document, like an Attenborough thing or something, and thought, what about that? Um, and then we ended up having to spell it wrong because if you'd have, if we'd have done C-A-Y-M-E-N, you'd have just got the Cayman Islands. And if you'd have got C-A-I-M-E-N, you'd have just yeah. got the Cayman Islands. So we ended up spelling it wrong, which is where like um, Carmen's comes from and <laughs> like all these other like iterations that people come up with for it um, that isn't Cayman's come from because like strictly it's not spelt right. But yeah, that's where we, that's how we ended up there. <laughs> um, so... Just for the, the listeners, obviously, if people aren't familiar with the band, um, can I describe the sound of Caymans? I mean, we're definitely like um, we're definitely all children of that early two thousands wave of guitar bands that like like that last big new wave of all indie punk kind of British and American guitar bands that came out in like the early two thousands. So, I mean, we reference the Strokes a lot. Um, but it's impossible to do the strokes without Julian's voice, which I definitely haven't got. Not many people have. <laughs> um, uh, the Libs gets mentioned a lot. I'm a huge Libs fan. I take it that's where the, the name for the podcast comes from. Yeah, it does. And yeah, I've, I've still to have any member of the band on the podcast, which is a, a bugbear of mine. Oh, really, man? Well, um, yeah, it's got to happen, I think, at some point, mate. Yeah, I've seen them. Um, I've seen, I mean, interestingly, like coming off the back of that, like I saw the lib, I just got into the libs as it was just um, just kind of coming to an end, really. I right. remember seeing Jonathan Ross one night um, doing Constantly Now and then just like, wow, what is this? And then I went out like the next, like within the week, I'd bought both the first albums and um, like it was just falling apart at that point. So I never got to see them as the libs at the time they were the libs. Neither did I. I'm yeah. the same. I've seen them at Tina Park where. Um, Anthony Rosamondo was was in the band then. Yeah. Peter. So yeah. it wasn't until when did I see him? I'm trying to, I, I seen them at Hyde Park. I'm trying to think if I seen them before that. They might have played Glasgow and then obviously I've seen them the last last year I've seen them as well. But I it's not the same as well all the all these years on. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, don't get me wrong, like, I've listened to the new stuff. The new stuff sounds good. The, yeah. The new stuff. But it's, it's definitely like a, it was definitely a moment, wasn't it, like, where they, they existed in this weird sphere that didn't seem to exist in modern music anymore. It seemed to be something from a bygone era as to what they were. You know yeah. what I mean? It was kind of like this rock and roll world that doesn't exist, definitely doesn't exist anymore, I don't think, really. Not publicly, anyway. And, um, yeah, they were, they, were, they were definitely special. And I... um. Yeah, I mean, I've got I've got three musical tattoos. I have a Pink's one, a Beatles one, and a Libertines one. <laughs> so they're my um, they're like my main three. I would say. What's uh, your Libertines one? I've got a Time for Heroes line on my back, like every right. eighteen I've got when <laughs> when they were eighteen and the Libs were about when they were in the, in the guitar music, which is um, yeah, it's plenty yeah, of them. I'm not the only. I've got I've got Libertine here on my arm. Have you got the Libs tat? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think um. Yeah, that might come one day, I think. <laughs> Maybe late to the party, but um, it might be due. But I, so, I mean, like, touching on, like, the, 
like as you described that sound and the kind of influences obviously like looking on your Spotify you get a playlist with all your influences um, and obviously you touched heavily on the strokes I was listening to you yesterday and see the, the band that came to mind straight away for me was Interpol Okay, which, yeah, which, yeah. Which, I mean, definitely know. got that. Um, especially the newer stuff. You know, I think um, as we get a, a little older, we get a bit more. <laughs> decent say maybe a bit more mature in our songwriting. <laughs> like the earlier stuff was um a bit more lighthearted and a bit more fun. Whereas now, I know with a, with a, a couple of years on the clock, maybe we're um a little darker than we were when we originally started. Um, and in a poll and definitely heavy stroke stuff is. Yeah, it's all in that kind of world. That's that's what we love. And British bands as well that did like White Lies and Editors and um that feel is definitely something that um that gets kicked around a lot when we when we're writing, yeah. Well, obviously before we, we I mean I'm gonna get back to like your debut release and all that, but you play bass, is that correct? Yeah, I didn't originally. So when I started Lazy Eye on my own, I was it was like it was more folky originally. So I had like mm-hmm. uh, Frank Turner, um Jake Bug kind of vibes because I envisaged it when I started originally it's just been like I didn't think anybody like I was so pleased that people wanted to be in a band with me when I started my own stuff <laughs> that like I didn't envisage that ever happening so I foresaw it to just being some kind of solo thing where I go out with like my acoustic guitar and play like more stripped back more again like like indie folk kind of stuff really which I'm also you know a big fan of Dylan Paul Simon and Donovan and all that kind of stuff as well you know story. Yeah. Songwriting. Um, so originally I was on guitar, but Josh, the um, so Josh Corbett's mate joined on bass originally, and Josh is an infinitely better guitar player than me. Uh, so um, so we switched, and as well, Josh is a. Uh, it's quite funny actually because I'm six one, and Josh is shorter than me. Um, so he'd be on stage shorter than me with this great big like Rick and Backer bass guitar. And then I'd have his tiny little Gibson SG and like mine would look like a toothpick in my hand and he'd look like a javelin in his in. And then we'd like swap across and it just looked gawky and awkward. So I think we better swap, man. You need to be on this and I need to be on that. So yeah, like kind of through um, necessity, I ended up on bass, I think, more than anything. So at, at those like early gigs where you kind of swap instruments, mad set and stuff like that, a bit like the, obviously a big band up here, Scotland, The View. Oh, I love um, The View, man. Yeah. There's a lot of swapping between the between Kyle and Kieran between songs that Kieran's wrote or whatever. Yeah, um, they write together, don't they? So I think um yeah, they definitely like um Skag Trendy they swap and Realization they swap and yeah, I'm a yeah. big sort of view in at Keel Uni, which is not far from us just before Christmas. Um obviously no crazy mo anymore, but um like uh yeah, big view fan. I heard um Dockett, he actually tell a funny story about I don't know, you might have seen it. Um, he says that Kyle was with Liam Gallagher and Liam Gallagher was slagging off the Libertines. So Kyle played Liam, uh, Death on the Stairs. And then uh, Liam says, that's fantastic. What's that? And Kyle says, that's a Libertine joke. When was that? Was that a recent interview? Uh, no, I, well, I've seen it. I've seen it online somewhere. Pete telling that story on stage. Right. So I imagine that this was potentially, you know, some years ago. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a great story, and it because I mean, uh, yeah, it's just. I, I don't know how much um, hatred there really is. You know what I mean? Like, I I think Liam just likes kind of slagging bands off, but I don't really think there's as much hatred as people people seem to think. Imagine he plays on it. It's part of the, yeah. part of the, part of the act, isn't it? You know, I, I I don't know how much of it's real and how much of it is 
you know, playing the caricature because that's what he what he's known to be, and it helps him career wise. Me, I don't know. Um, God knows, but it's it's still a fun story. I'd, I'd love to yeah. see. I was listening to Put Amadri's. Have you heard them? I, I know the name. I need to have a listen now. Pete, yeah. Pete Docker, it's Pete Dockerty with um, Jack Jones for Trampoline. Um, but oh, yeah, that's cool. We get to a trampoline. We play. Right, so I, I had Jack Jones on last year. And obviously, in the run up to that, I thought I'd better check out the other stuff that I hadn't. So, for whatever reason, I hadn't listened to Put Amadri's. But one of the songs on it, um, Danny Might, is one of the, one of the bigger songs on the album. Um, they sing the the lines they don't look back in anger. Yeah. So can I? Because I was listening at work and I was like, What's that? I just heard and I took it back two or three times and I was like, he just sang "Don't Look Back in Anger," which is like for for a band that's spent all that time slagging them off to, to go in <laughs> and do that, I thought it was really good. It all comes was... full circle, doesn't it, I suppose? I mean, I suppose there's a mutual appreciation between all of them. I mean, you know. Yeah. Not, and they've both got kids to the same woman as well, you know what I mean? There's, right, there's so much link in them. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> um, aye, so back to Caymans. Uh, obviously, the name change happened 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, debuts the debut single, Boys Will Stray, came out in April, and then another single, Redolence, in July. That year, um, you supported Ordinary Boys, um, you supported Billy Bibby, who's also been a guest on the podcast, and Barry Hyde for the Future Heads, um, as well as that, you've done festivals, Latitude Festival and Boardmasters, so a busy, a busy year, kind of, starting it with a name change. So how how did that feel kind of getting out and supporting supporting big names like Billy Bobby and Barry Hyde and um the Ordinary Boys? Just um just great man. I mean like I think um you, you just always have to you just always have to get in, in front of people, aren't you? That's that's the, the, the biggest task in this game. So like you know being able to get on bills like that with people like that, especially at such an early stage for us. Um it was great, man. I mean, Preston from the Ordinary Boys was sound, you know, good chat with him and pictures and all the rest of it. And Billy, known Billy for, for years now, like having gigged with him, you know, back then and, mm-hmm. you know, follow his musical journey, follows mine, which we quite often. He's a great lad. Um, yeah, man. Um, Latitude and Boardmasters were <laughs> surreal. Um, I mean, there's a few, st- I don't know how long you've got, but there's a, there's a, <laughs> there's a few fun stories, a few fun stories about all that came about. Um, we ended up doing we ended up doing basically two weeks of festivals back to back. Right. We didn't, we didn't want to. We didn't want to camp for two weeks. I mean, we, like that was what we would have actually done. Um, so we thought we're not doing that. That's that's mental. We're not camping for two weeks. Not even I can do that. So we bought this this absolute nail of a caravan um, from some travellers. It was mm-hmm. like a four hundred pound caravan, like it was a box on wheels, man, just so that we weren't sleeping on the ground mm-hmm. for, for two weeks. Um, I'd never towed a caravan before in my life. So the first time I towed a caravan was to go and play Boardmasters. <laughs> so it's like five hours to the bottom of the country and then four hours that way, kind of towing this 400-pound caravan. Um, when we picked it up off these gypsies, <laughs> we hooked it up to the back of the year. We hooked it up to the back of our van and um, the lights didn't work. Like, the lights were... <laughs> so me, me, uh, me guitarist went round to, like, this guy selling this caravan to us for 400 quid. So it was a box. 
And then he says, the, the lights don't work. And this this guy went, it's daytime. Because <laughs> it was like three o'clock in the afternoon when we were picking it up. It's like, yeah, it won't be daytime for, you know, the next two weeks when we're out on the road of it. Um, yeah, so we, so we end up in this this caravan for like two weeks. Um, it's just, I'd be here for like hours, man, telling you all the thing. <laughs> just great fun. Um but yeah, man. I mean, just just great times, really. Like we really, because that was like very early on in our kind of like you become a band by doing them kind of things, you know. Like um, bands, bands become bands like in three hour long car journeys and in backstage areas where you have to sit together with nothing to do. You know, that's when you find out whether you can get on together. Yeah, play music, you know. Um, and we all like we all just click really well. We all get on really well. And if you can't go, if you can't do them kind of things early on without it being a, a right good laugh. <laughs> then like it doesn't matter whether the, the music's good or not, eventually it'll peter out, you know. But um thankfully we um we love gigging man, it's great fun. Uh, twenty eighteen, another three singles, um lots and lots of merch drops as well. I've seen you are constantly bringing out t shirts and things to go along with these singles. Yeah. Um violent video games come out in March, Danny DeVito in July and slept on the sofa in September along with that more, more festivals and supports but I think you supported cast at a festival yeah um, cast yeah. With, um, John yeah yeah uh, support with the Sherlock's and support with Scouting for Girls as well yeah they were, I mean we had this um we had this like really really good year in 2018 where like um we got first national radio play Lamac played um Lamac played DeVito on Radio 6, which was like mental for us, like national radio play, like the first time we'd ever had that, which was like quite surreal for us. And then it kind of snowballed off off the back of that. Um, Sherlock's was, was mega. That was like the first time on a, on a properly big stage for us in front of a proper like 1,500 crowd. You know, like we'd done two 300s up to that point and we'd done, you know, small festival stages, but we'd not done, you know, 2,000 camp venues in front of 1,500 mm-hmm. Opening for opening for really really successful bands up until that point, um, scouting um, again was another one like that was in Coventry. I think there was two thousand people in there the night that we did that. We played outside the Etihad Stadium as well, which granted, I was going to bring that up as well. Um, <laughs> they weren't there to see us; they were there to see Man City, but there was still about four or five thousand people stood around this stage when we went on, which was all a bit surreal. Um, yeah, because they they have a lot of up and coming. Musicians play out there, didn't they? I've seen the, the Rosa Docs have done it before. Yeah, it's great, man. Great fan park, great stage. The the team that like um like they make a real thing of it, you know. Um like the whole it's not just they stick a band on, they come off, there's all sorts going on. They have like by the day that we were there, like Jimmy Anderson, the they played Burnley, Man City did that day. And James Anderson, the the English fast bowler, he was um he's a Burnley fan. So he was like milling about and being interviewed in between our songs and stuff. And then like, right. like Terry Christian and like Manchester comedians on in between us doing bits and that. Uh, yeah, just another like, like the thing that we always say is like you're constantly getting like really cool experiences that you just like wouldn't get to do in any other walk of life. Um, and things like that, like like we didn't know that turning up, but like we meet these cool people all the time through doing it, which is as much of the enjoyment, you know. Um, is it cool. Any Man City fans in the band? No, 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 man. Well, um, I'm um, I'm a Stoke fan, uh, right? Fortunately, <laughs> Corbs is a Corbs is a Leicester City fan. Um, even though he's not from Leicester, I think it's through his dad. 
Um, so he's having a right good year at the minute. Um, and then the other two, not so much football fans, but me and uh, me and Corbs love it. <laughs> right. Just but before we go forward with the music, obviously I'm a Celtic fan. Right. Um, okay. So we, they're a wee boy on loan to you, Haskabanovic. How's it's, he doing? Yeah, he's um. He seems to play away from home more than at home. He doesn't seem to get chucked on at home for some reason. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm a season ticket holder, so the only time I stand to see him is on the tally. Uh, but he looks, um, he looks. Uh, we had Arnautovic um, when we were in the Premier League, Austrian. That's right, it, yeah. He's very much in that kind of mould, um, and he's just been out for a bit injured. Um, but I'd like to see more of him than who we are playing. Left and that, right. That, that's <laughs> kind of similar to what we had with him though, last season. He, he came in and he, he looks like he's got the ability, but he, at times he looked uninterested and um, didn't, yeah, like didn't play that. as often as he could. He was on the bench yesterday, didn't come on, even though we were... Did he come on? I don't think he did. We were 2-1 down. We lost 2-1 to Birmingham at home yesterday. And um, we went 2-1 on down. So you would have thought at that point... No, he didn't come on. He put... Sorry, it's teenage football podcast. Yeah, yeah he, he didn't come on. Um, he didn't come on yesterday. But I would have imagined he should have done at the point that we were in. We were two on down at home. With yeah, four. sounds sounds like the same player we had then. Yeah, so I don't know why that is. Keep him. I know it's a, I know it's a, a loan deal, but if you want to have him, he's can have him. <laughs> I'd like um, I'd like to see him given a run when whenever he's on. He looks he looks he looks. Well, he looks better than what we've got, let's put it that way. <laughs> That's not saying much at the minute, though. We're 19th, I think, at the minute. Uh, 2019, uh, one single time is precious. Um, supports with King, no one, the future the future heads, um, scouting for girls again, the lottery winners, um, lots of festivals again. Uh, but the one that stuck out for me the most that year was the support for the Snuts. Great night, man. I tell you what, I, I genuinely, I genuinely love Scottish bands, man. Like they've got a, like a, an energy and a vibe that like is different from other places that like completely suits what I love in guitar music. You know, like a, a raucous energy, like a a communal spirit that seems to be embodied by Scottish bands, like say like the View and Snuts and um, yeah. You know, loads, man. Las Vegas, love Las Vegas as well. They're massive. Um, just yeah, uh, remember sound checking, and I can't remember the names, but they got like a big bottle of book fast comes out the bag when <laughs> when when they've not even started, and then we had this like uh, we watched the set, and they were great, man. They absolutely ripped it up. And um, I tell you what was interesting. So so they're headlining a, a small venue in Stoke on Trent, on like four hundred cap. You know, you look at the size of stuff they're doing now. They're on the way up, and we played them at that stage. Yeah, um, there must have been in this four four hundred cap venue in Stoke. Um, I don't know, hundred hundred Scots, I think. It was like St Andrew's flags all across the front of the barrier, like a yeah. That, my pal, my pal, he he's been to every gig, I think, and he's got the the St Andrew's flag. It says W A W L on the front. Um, you see him at every gag. Yeah. Well, that's what I mean. Like, we came on, bearing in mind it's our own town. <laughs> and um, to be fair, when we got off at the gig, it had already sold out. So it wasn't, wasn't like we got people there. But there were people there who knew us who'd seen us. But, like, obviously they were absolutely smashing it and continue to. But, like, we walked out and it's just like, it's like a Scotland away game, man. <laughs> it was, yeah. it was that, um, you know, Amden Park or something. It was, it was just 
St Andrew's flags all around the Sugarville, and we were like, "Where are we?" There's, well, I said, there's like 100, 150 Scots in the in this little little club in Stoke on Trent, um, but they do it great, man, and good lads as well. They had a good chat with us after we had this picture with them where they necking, you know, drink and all the rest of it, and uh, yeah, it's just good, man. Just a really good, good game. Yeah, I mean, their rise has been really, really quick. When you when you think about it, like that's the same as they're due to bring out their third album. Um yeah. and their first album came out just run yes. about lockdown. So so when you think about that, that's three albums out in, in a matter of no time. Yeah, I mean to be fair, I mean in terms of smashing albums out, it's just having opportunity to write really. I mean like we write fairly quick when we got the time and the, the resources to do it, if that makes sense. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, we're still slogging it, you know, day jobs and up and down the country and fitting it in between. You know, I mean, the album's called Work-Life Balance purely on that basis. Like, we're, we're trying to do this alongside having to do the things that everybody has to do. Um, if you can get up that, get up over that step where it becomes, you know, I don't think anybody goes from, especially nowadays, because there's not enough money in it, no, nobody goes from normal job to full-time musician. Yeah. Like, Three months you know like you'll you'll edge it out and if you can do it slowly but surely you'll go from like five days a week in your normal job to you know three or four you have to build up to it so like if you can get to that stage where like you're only having to do something normal i mean in money like a couple of days a week and all of a sudden you're spending five days a week playing music then you write so much quicker you demo so much quicker um if you if you're at the level there at the money to go in studios and just kind of sit down with your ideas with the producer and go now we've got this and we want to develop this idea with it. What can we do? All them opportunities open up for you with more time and more money, which, you know, um, so it's, yeah, you can tell that like they're just brimming with ideas and creativity because like that's what happens when you've got them opportunities. If, you, if you're brimming with it, once you've got the tools to go and do it, you know, if, <laughs> if we could get to that stage, you know, I mean, we're probably three quarters of the way through writing our second album now and we've not even released the first one yet, you know, um, it's just having the, the time and the money to go and make it, really. Yeah. But it's always nice to kind of have that kind of something, something nearly written and it kind of, it takes a bit of the pressure off, doesn't it, when, when you, because I'd imagine when this album comes out, you're going to be even busier than you've been, so you don't need to worry about, oh, shit, we'll get, we need to start writing stuff. You've got to, uh... You're always trying to like think. You're always trying to think like kind of a couple, a bit like the snakes and ladders things again. Like you're always trying to think, kind of a couple of steps ahead. So like the intention or the the dream like this year is to try and top forty this album, which would be a, a genuinely monumentous achievement for a band with like the kind of money and backing that we've got to work with from the start, that we, where we come from, and all that kind of things. Um, so if we can top forty the album, then um, then. Like the aim is to be ready to record the second one by like back end of this year because we'll have a busy summer festival in. We've got our release tour in May. Um, so like right now I'm like saying, look, gigs don't really kick in until like Feb March time. So let's um let's get to work writing so that because we ain't gonna have the opportunity to write through yeah, March, April, May, June, all through summer. And then I don't want us to get to like two months before November when like ideally off the back of the album, hopefully we'll have options to work with new people to go and record the second one with, but not have like, you know, 20 records to turn around and show people and go, right, these are the demos that we think are going to make up the second album. You know, because mm-hmm. like people who are going to like back you financially to go and make that second album want to hear something before they do. Um, so again, like it's snakes and ladders trying to 
make sure that when you get to that point, you have, you've got something to show them. So, yeah, even though like we're completely knee deep in promo for this album, we're also knee deep in prep for the gigs and knee deep in writing whilst yeah. having, whilst having to be working normal jobs and running houses and all that stuff. You know, it's, it never stops. Man. You mentioned snakes and ladders, obviously. Um, twenty twenty, another couple of singles that, and uh headline show at the Sugar Mill with support with the rats was meant to happen and then we had COVID. So a big fuck off snake there. Ah uh, yeah. You know what I mean? So I mean this um headline show didn't happen for another what was it, twenty months or something. It was rescheduled and rescheduled and rescheduled again. Um how did COVID affect the band? Because most of the people I spoke to and kind of up-and-coming bands like yourself, it has been a help because it's given more time to, to write and to focus on the band. How how would you describe it for yourself? A bit like I said, I keep saying the Snakes and Ladders things, but it literally was. So it started 2020. Um, we got rolling again. So, like, we've had a few... One, one of the problems that this band's had is that, like, we've got to a certain point, a bit like I've said, and then something completely out of our control has come along and um, taken the wheels off, stopped all the momentum, and then you have to get going again. So, like, quite early on in, like, twenty end of 2017, um, Drummer lost his dad, which was obviously horrendous, you know. Um, he's only young as well. So that put the brakes on for, like, six, seven months, completely understandably. So all the, like, the momentum that we built up off the back of them singles that year and then uh, the festivals that we'd done and the good gigs that we'd done, you know, we we got going and then obviously that was tragic and then we had to take like six, seven months out for understandable reasons. So then we mm-hmm. got going again in like 2018. 2018, we got going really, really well. You know, did all them things that you just mentioned. Um, and we started working with some people at the end of 2018 and we were, we hoped were going to um, help us kick on to that next level. Um, and then there was like this fatal error of like us thinking they were going to do stuff. That didn't peter out. And then nothing ends up happening. And before you know, it's all the momentum and like noise has kind of drifted off. So then like, so that kind of like put pay to 2019 because we had to go again because we spent a lot of 2019 trying to get these people we were working with to, to, to work with us more than they were, they were showing. Um, then 2020 is COVID. So we put two singles out and then COVID happens. All the gigs get cancelled, all the tours, all the festivals that we got lined up went. What also went was the opportunity to, to bring money in because like this band functions on a basis of like you know, you know we sell two three hundred tickets for a, a hometown gig and then that money goes straight into the pot for studio time or for whatever's yeah. needed you know, for the band um, so if you're not gigging um you're not you're not earning <laughs> and you're not selling merch at gigs which is where we you know you mentioned the merch so like it crippled us in terms of income originally and it crippled us in terms of like the momentum had started again for like the third time and for the third time something you know, relatively completely out of our control that we couldn't do anything about. They're taking the wheels off the car and we had to we had to find a way through. So the big the big plus for us through through um COVID was that it forced us to start the Patreon. So we've got a like a, a fan club basically it's called Ambassadors of Caymans. We launched it at like the start of COVID. The response was just like unbelievable. Like we were so taken aback. It was like a really life affirming thing to see the amount of people who cared about the band and we're prepared mm-hmm. to put their hand in the pocket and, and support it through COVID so that we existed through COVID and past it. Um, so whilst it did like 
take two years out of our musical career, basically. Like all the 20 and all the 2021 were basically write-offs as a result of not being able to gig and not being able to go in to record records. Yeah, yeah. There was no, there was no certainty. There was, no. you can do this, and then no, you can't do it again. Whatever it was, it was like I, I gave me uh, the hokey cokey, so to speak, with it. Like constantly, like you know, we think we can, we think we'll be able to do it in three months' time, and then three months' time, you know, <laughs> when they first started, it was like flat in the curve in three months, wasn't it? And like eighteen months later, yeah. you know. We were still all stood two meters apart in Tesco waiting for tins of beans, you know. So I mean, it's uh, like, hang on, my lights come on. Yeah. Two seconds, man. Let me put a light on. That's all right. The irony of this being, um, at the moment, I think every second person I meet in there has got COVID. You know what I mean? And every yeah, it's still about in CTA. It's not like a, I don't know, man. I mean, that's a whole other conversation altogether. But like in terms of music. Um, the the big minus was that it took two years out of our career, basically. Like, and times a lot of thing in 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 music. Like, you you're constantly trying to keep momentum up. So somebody just like zapping two years out of your musical journey at the age that we we're at was not cool, man. <laughs> not cool at all. Um, but the Patreon wouldn't have existed without it, and the support from the Patreon um, funded the whole next phase of the band. So everything that got released from then on. Mm-hmm. got recorded with money that had been like you know put into the coffers by fans who, who wanted to hear more music and wanted to support us through it so that so that we existed on on the back end of it um so everything from i think the first single back was poltergeist everything from then on like obviously we put our own money into it as well but everything's so expensive in music that like to maintain it as the other the other challenge like maintaining momentum by being able to maintain pain pain studio costs pain practice room costs pain all these things that are expenses for a band um like for bands like us it's you know it's just not affordable man so um yeah the, the big plus was that we got that as a so how does a uh, how does a uh, patreon work is there different tiers of what or how how much do people pay yeah, man. So we've got like um like a basic one, it's like two quid, you know. Um, and then we've got like ones right up to like there's a twenty pound tier, and then there's like a mental hundred pound tier for in case like you know some millionaire ever falls on the page and yeah, yeah, generous. You know, no one's ever paid for that, but but we're like we've had people on all the other ones. Um, and yeah, like we do, you know, there's a private Facebook page where we share private content. You can't go anywhere else. Uh, we've done everything from. Like video commentaries on the music videos that we make. We do like behind the scenes stuff. We do like we did like a, an actual um specific uh home recorded like album that we released purely for members. Um so right. on our lockdown covers on that we did when what we recorded and put out through lockdown as well as like I think there's three originals on it that we recorded the same way because we couldn't get into a proper studio, but we all got like fairly solid home setups. Um, so like between us when we couldn't make this we like we wrote some stuff and we we did some covers that we put out online we put all that on like uh, like it's like a seven track album that went out specifically just for for the ambassadors so we, we sent yeah. it on you know, people have do... got mad for the covers back then as well there, there was a, a band up here that kind of pals with the not smart sharp and yeah. the bicycle thieves and they they done one they released it on Bandcamp. it was all, all covers nice. it was all good. 
a lottery winners had a lottery winners had a I think they had like a top ten album like all like yeah that's right just in in lockdown you know so it, again like we're a very organic band like most of the songs start with either me bringing something to the table that I've written and then we'll write around it or like chords or write guitar riffs and then I think that's really cool let me write a song around that and then organically it'll grow in the room between the four of us so when we couldn't get together to do things organically we were kind of lost in terms of being able to write so it's like this it's just like this weird little time capsule cd um um it's called the time lapse ep because we did all little music videos for them where there was like a <laughs> where there's like um you know like a time lapse video of like you know snow building or something decaying or things like that yeah. Long period of time done really quickly all the music videos were like that with lyrics overlaid um which again all the ambassadors get for you know for being part of what we um for being part of the fan club kind of thing yeah that that sounds amazing i'll, I'll be checking that out the only i, I can mind embrace I, I think embrace did something similar yeah um i think they done something like around the last album where you could go and you could look at the recording sessions how they were going and stuff like that yeah, we did like a studio diary, like when we could eventually get back into a studio. Like, so all the um recording of Poltergeist, Illustrator, Picture House, um, two of them are on the album, by the way, as well. Uh, that's coming out. Like, there's um studio diaries. We went to a studio in Cheshire and we did like a big, like, you know, 20 minute video that's available on the, the Ambassadors Patreon for, for people to see, you know, all the things, all the making of the record and where it was recorded and, you know, was arsing around in the studio. <laughs> So all the rest of it, you know. It's yeah. Fun. Fun. So obviously, like coming back then, um, so although you got the the headline the headline show eventually happened, as we say, tw- twenty months after it was met. Yeah. Um, but around about that time as well, you were met. You were due to support the case. And theirs, theirs was cancelled and then rescheduled, and you weren't able to play it because it was running about the same time as us. Your rescheduled show, so yeah. Um, so in a town like Stoke on Trent, like it's not wise to play. I mean, there's only about three, four venues in Stoke, so like that's one of the things of being hampered back away from a small town. Like if you come from like Manchester or London or Liverpool, you know you can go out and play more or less, you know, a couple of times a month, every month, and not play the same venues. Uh-huh. Play, everywhere, play everywhere in Stoke in a month, and then like it's not wise to. To hit your own town again because it just hits numbers, man. If like, if you know, if people know you've got like three, four gigs coming up over the next six, yeah, months, they'll split it. They'll go to one rather than another. So it's it's better to do like one big one and then um, you know online that looks better and the whole kind of like buzz around the band looks better if you've got a full crowd in front of you. So yeah, as it as it landed, K's got cancelled, then it got moved, and we'd already got our headliner in, and they were within about like two, three weeks of one another. So like we um we ended up having to pull out of the the support for the case so that so that it didn't impact our our, our show really um but it's just one of the things man it wasn't anyone's fault it's completely unavoidable again man snakes and ladders just things come along that, yeah. <laughs> that you can't do anything about and it's just the game you know you just keep you just keep going forward really uh, i mean that would have been a cracking gig the two years i, I really like the case i went to see um the case supporting the ratons oh um, yeah magic yeah the case the case and declan welsh were supporting the Raytons. Mm-hmm. And I went to the Raytons gig. I had no intention. I don't, I don't like the Raytons. Right, okay. <laughs> so I paid the 30 quid to go and see the two support bands. Yeah. Um, and it was amazing. One of the best gigs I've been to. Grand man. Yeah, I mean, there's, there definitely is like, um, 
there's a bit of a split in England, I think, at the minute. You've got like you've got London, and then you've got the North, I think. And like <laughs> like if you I don't know if you tick all the boxes like cool Southern industry, what the industry want, London, and then there's kind of like the North who do, well, we're just going to do what we want because you know. 50,000 people will still turn up to a field because the core teenagers are fantastic. And, you know, like we'll watch indie guitar bands and four lads, you know, singing about pints and pubs and all the rest so of it. Like, where do you see yourself? They'll never go anywhere. Where do you see yourself? Are you, you more in the north, would you say? Stoke on Trent's, um, yeah, I mean, it's Midlands really, but um, we're definitely more northern than, than yeah. London crowd. You know, that's that's another world for us, really. With, we're definitely in that mix of bands that you just mentioned, you know, Kays and Raytons and all that kind of uh, lilacs. And, you know, there's, there's quite a few coming through now at the minute. It's a really, it's really nice to see a resurgence because, I mean, I don't, it feels like the industry doesn't want it to be a thing. It's never, you know, it wants, it, it doesn't want four lads in a guitar band. Yeah. To, but everybody else does, didn't they? You know what I mean? Can't, you can't kill it, man. It, it's always worked. It always has worked and it always will work, you know, no matter how much the industry doesn't want it to. <laughs> um, which is kind of how it feels at the minute in terms of, you know, being a being a northern indie guitar band, which is kind of I mean, we're Midlands, but that's basically what we are, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously you, you mentioned Poltergeist, you can back with Poltergeist. Um Poltergeist, Illustrator and I can see to worry and all came out in twenty twenty two. Um which I kind of thought it was a, a a step up again. Those three singles all kind of a different sound, a bigger sound. I thought. So, yeah. was that kind of a conscious effort to think, right? We're back. We're going to be heard. I think um, one of the other advantages um, of COVID, <laughs> the advantages of COVID. That's a book, isn't it? Um, yeah, one of the other advantages of COVID was uh, was time, really. So like, all creativity gets is is a is a product of the time that you can spend on doing it. You know, because it's, I mean, anything like any any record or song that's written or anything, it's like it's basically just a collection of ideas, you know. And sometimes you have all the great ideas in five minutes, and sometimes, you know, they can take six months. Some 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 people have songs knocking around for years and years and years. So one thing that COVID did give us um, was was time for like ideas to develop and things to grow, even though they weren't maybe growing in that kind of organic way that I've mentioned before in a practice room. Like I remember like locked in my, I got like a little two up, two down terrace in Stoke. And um, I bought a, uh, you know, like an architect's drawing board, like the big drawing boards where architects do like blueprints on. Yeah. I bought one of them and a great big A5 or whatever pad size they are to fit on it. And then some bulldog clips and just bulldog clip this great big pad on me, what's name? Because I, the way I tend to write is I'll just, put my guitar over me and then just like wander around playing until things ferment and just keep going over sections and things like that. And then I'd be like working from home. And if I got like an idea for a line or something twigged in me, head, it go straight on the, on the big pad. Do you know what I mean? So like over this kind of like 18 months, two years of lockdown, um, I just like accrued this massive ideas in a way. Right. Um, and I think all of them songs that are followed from there, a lot of them came off that pad. Um, you know, so I think maybe the sound change and things like that came as a result of us having more time to develop stuff than we'd previously had, where we'd like, you know, we'd write it in a practice room and it'd be what it'd be in the practice room, whereas COVID kind of gave me like 18 months to live with ideas for longer um, and choose the good ones, you know, 
Um, so I think the the writing definitely benefited from having that time and songs like Poltergeist and Worrying definitely um, and Jacket Weather and quite a few off the album as well all came up. The bones of them were written in that kind of period, you know, um, mm -hmm. 18 months kind of since we, we came back to life to um, and a lot of last year recording them to put them together. So that's, this album's kind of a product of that time that we had, you know. Um, just on jacket weather, obviously. Um, as I say, if we troll on your Instagram here the last couple of days, I noticed you you're big fans of Circa Waves. Um, Circa Magic. Yeah, right. and I, I, when I seen jacket weather, I thought is that kind of like a a response to um, t-shirt weather, these Circa Waves. Jacket weather. I think um, I get a lot of ideas like oh oh influences art kind of thing and I'm a big movie buff me so like I watch a lot of films a lot of films love storytelling and the creativity involved in like script writing and good dialogue and things like that I get a real kick out of watching really well written stuff um, and it was a, I can't even remember what it was in but it was a while ago and somebody gets out of a car and they leave their jacket on the back seat of the car um, and then they drive off and realise they've left their jacket like the people in the car and they go who's they left the jacket. Says, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." Remember, we uh, she took it off when we went round that corner. She says it's not jacket weather anymore. And I was like, I've never heard that before. There's all sorts of like things that could be interpreted out of that. Yeah. Um, and then, like, so, I mean, sometimes I'll just set off down these like meandering paths that don't make sense to anybody other than me. Um, but I like to, I like to see where I end up with it. Um, and like that, that's, that's got a like a world that I created just off the back of that line, really. Um, I don't really know. <laughs> you know, it'll never yeah. make as, as, as the same sense to anybody else as it makes to me. But um, yeah, there's that's that's how I write. Kind of, you know, I, I hear things and then just see where it goes off the back of it. And that was one of them, really. Um, but yeah, love that song. It's it's one of my favourite. We've got knocking about at the minute. Brilliant. Uh, obviously, touring wise as well, you 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 support it, scouting for girls again. Um, have you got? You share the same booking agent or something, is it? <laughs> yeah, the um, so there's a few like there's a few times actually. So, um, a producer, uh, Andy Gannon, who's made the album, he's from Stoke on Trent, he's doing really well at the minute. He's working out in Manchester now, but I mean, um, he's working with uh, Liam and the Cortinas on new stuff, he's doing writing sessions with DMAs. Um, he's really, really kicking on like another Stoke lad. You mentioned the Rayons. The Rayons manager, Rich Goodwin, is from Stoke. He um he actually the first gig he ever put on was at a cricket club in Stoke, and he booked us. We were on his first ever bill, <laughs> and now he's had a number one record with the Rayons, and he's going around the world, which is amazing to see. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, Scouting's Scouting's booking agent is um is from this neck of the woods as well. Um, so he um yeah he works with us, and when he can get us on decent stuff, he gets us on decent stuff, and we played with Scouting a few times, man. It's um. We did a few on their tour, twenty twenty two now I think. So we did Oxford mm -hmm. Academy, we did Liverpool Academy, um, we did Keel with them. They were all like two thousand cap venues, man. Which was again like we 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 have these we have these like little brief periods that last for like a month or so where it starts to feel like really real. Like this is what it'd be like if we did this all the time, and like that was one of them periods because we, we were doing like two thousand cap venues like one after another. Yeah. So, it's amazing buzz, man. Even though you're in a room full of people who aren't there to see you, you know, um, I always say like music's music and, you know, people who go out. Yeah, but if you can take 
10, 15% of the fans and, and bring them on the journey with you, then it's that's that's how it grows, isn't it? Yeah. Obviously, you touched on kind of a few of these people for Stoke. Around about this time as well, you, you played um, you played with all the young and at the is it the outclassed of both those bands for, for Stoke as well? Yeah, so uh, all the young, um, like Stokes, um, uh, like they were. Uh, I wouldn't know the full story. I wouldn't go into too many details, but they're um, a really good record deal like 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And then like um, had a break and then I'm back again now. Um, so it's amazing to see like, <laughs> like I just never leaves you, man. Like, you know, you, like you can have like almost 10 years away from something like this and it, you can have it all fall apart, but it never disappears like that thing inside you to keep writing songs and keep wanting to be out playing music and making records. Um, so yeah, all, all the young Stokies, underclass Stokies as well. Um, I mean, in different like kind of spheres of music, we've got um, Dollar Jade from Stokes doing really well at the minute on Radio One all the time. It's like more pop, but like um, with kind of uh-huh. like a kind of twist on it. She's doing great. Lissy Taylor's from Stokes. She's doing really well at the minute. You know, there's a there's definitely like a like a hive of, of, of really solid creatives in this city. Um, yeah, it's just we seem to have to. We seem to have to branch out to, you know, to like um, make more noise, basically, you know, because it's quite a small place, Stoke in general. Yeah, but it's good to see that they've got that kind of wee community and there's kind of that, that it helps to for each of you to push each other on. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, so, I, on top of that, I mean, there's a lot of festivals you've played. You seem to play Diva Fest quite a bit. Um, yeah. Obviously, is, is that your city festival? Is that in Stoke as well? Yeah, that's the, the Stoke festivals, you know, like Sound yeah. City in, in Liverpool and like Humber Street Sash up in Hull and Camden Rocks. Well, your city is, is Stoke's um, is Stokes festival. Yeah, so, I mean, looking at that, through the years as well, you've you played it that every year, seems to be, and... Looking at the lineup as it's progressed, it, it's growing, it's getting bigger and better every year. So, um, it's it's nice to be playing these sort of things as well. Obviously, twenty twenty three, jacket weather come out, uh, on the walk on the walk from the picture house come out as well, and as well as that, you signed to Regent Street Records. Yeah. So is that when? the plans were coming ahead for the, the album coming out? Well, kind of, we kind of did things a little bit back to front. So, um, like, normally what you would do is, like, um, I mean, everybody finds their own way through, but, like, a more a more common way is that, like, you you make your noise and then you get your batch of, like, demos that would be your album, and then you shop that around to, like, people to try and get them to come on board and invest in you to help you make the record and help you promote it. So, like, that's normally how people go about getting a deal. Um We'd already made our record. Like we we decided that you know by hook or by crook we were going to put one out even if nobody wanted to help us do it. Yeah. Um, so we'd um we started we started work on um all the new stuff on the album in March last year, and then we spent like basically six months uh writing and recording in studios to to get it to a point where it, we could shop it around and see if we could get anybody to come on board and help us make more noise with it than we would make off our own back, and um just just found just the most wonderful people at Regent Street who absolutely love absolutely love what we are and what we're trying to do and like um you know that the world that we live in in terms of 
like that sphere of guitar music that we want to exist in. They really love the stuff. Um, dead supportive, and yeah, we signed with them. In we actually signed in August. We signed at Diva Fest. Actually, we did the uh, we did the signing of the contracts at the gig uh, with our manager and and um, and John from the label. Um, and then we didn't announce anything publicly until back end of last year because basically like it's all about momentum so we knew we'd gone quiet for quite a while because of all the you know it's like the duck on the pond you know it looks still yeah like, things are going like mad underneath and that was <laughs> what last year was like for us with you know to and from to manchester for recording and then everything like there's so much work that like you just never in a million years envisage having to do <laughs> to make an album everything from chart registrations to artwork designing to who's going to order your physicals to how are you going to pay for everything are you going to post it out to people uh, inlays on cards uh, how are you yeah. going to get your there's just like this sea of jobs that like one after another just keep like washing over you <laughs> while you're still <laughs> while you're still trying to sort the last one and like as you as you sort in one job out, like that makes five more ones that like you've never had to do before. So we were really really lucky to have um, Josh, our manager, who is an absolute stalwart. Like where we'd be without him, I've got no idea helping us to get to this point. And the and the and the guys at Regent Street too, equally so, have been fantastic with us. Um, so we announced the signing back end of last year, um, and the intention was to actually announce the release of the album back end of last year as well, kind of like hopefully like get some early pre-sales in before Christmas, before everybody was skint in the new year. <laughs> but um, again, there was a couple of jobs that were unforeseen uh, that pushed it into the new year. And we announced it about two weeks ago. Um, and the response has been mega, man. We've had, you know, just so many messages and well wishes and people already pre-ordering and numbers are looking good and tour's been announced now. And, um, you know, it's just, uh, it's just now, like I say, feet and the wings are going <laughs> now, yeah. now, we're, now we're now we're making loads of noise and trying to get a trying to get as many people on board to to push it up the the charts as much as we can you know that i mean there are, there's so much new music coming out like right at the start of the year and um, so i was quite when i seen that the albums out in may i thought that that's that's quite good it gives me a bit of breathing space because i feel like i'm buying an album every week um <laughs> all the way through january february march yeah. So, I uh, it it's, it's nice to have a bit of breathing space. Um, you mentioned there were a couple of the songs already. Out. Yeah. Uh, uh, you mentioned there was like two or three songs already out that are on the album. So, what else can we expect? What sort of sound uh, are we going to hear? Are we going to hear anything? Any new surprises? Oh yeah, yeah. There's a couple of things on. There. One of the things about doing an album is it, like. As a singles band, which is kind of what we've always been, like so, like somebody said to me, like quite early on when I was quite young, like just keep banging singles out, just keep the momentum going, single, 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 till one drops and, and helps you kick on. And eventually, you can do that for so long, and then eventually, you get to the point where you realise we're only like we become single writers. Then, like you're writing a, a single structure, a pop structure, a single structure that isn't. Um, don't get me wrong, like it works. You know, it's worked from. Uh -huh. dog right through to like whatever's number one now you know it works <laughs> but it's not always it doesn't give you room creatively sometimes to do things that like well this wouldn't be a single but it sounds great and we love it so there's there's definitely um, two or three of them on the record that um, would never be singles in a million years but are records that we're really really proud of and that we hope people you know 
Yeah. It did, I mean, it, I've spoken about that quite a bit on my podcast. It, like the album seems to be kind of dying out, but I've always been, I, I don't know if, if it's my age, I've always been a fan of an album. I, I always like to see an album. Um, and one of the bugbears I get for it now is seeing bands, they bring out an album. They've, you've usually heard about six of the songs on it already before the album comes out. So it's, by the time the album comes out, you're just getting like an EP. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, see, man. I mean, like, I mean, effectively, like, it's just cost at the end of the day. Like, it's again, like, one of the one of the hurdles to clear is how, how you fund an album, like, and to do it at a standard that you know gives you a chance of getting like you know national radio play and things like that. You know, um, so it's just money at the end of the day. Like, if um, if we've got you know an extra six seven grand to play with, we've got an extra three, four brand new songs that could quite easily take the place of it. So there's this double-edged thing. Part of it's the money, and then part of it's like, if you're making a record, you're making... Right. So what we need to do is push this Patreon. We need to push this higher tier on the Patreon and get, get these guys in with the, the Wonga, and then we'll get another four songs. Yeah, or I mean, if we could just get, you know, a thousand people to go out and pre-order the album, man, that would uh, that would pay for the next record Yeah. Quite quite comfortably um but yeah I mean, it's all bread mate i mean same as anything in life isn't it? you know um money is opportunity um so you're always you're always balancing decisions on like right what with what we've got to work with what's the smartest and best thing that we can do and then the other flip of it is like like i was saying like a, an album's like a stamp in time as to where you are at that point and up to now like there's four previously released records on the album it's a 12 track album four of the ones are like four of our favorite that we've released in terms of like sonically, like in terms of like what we managed to achieve in a studio that we think, wow, that, that, look at what we've made there. We're so proud of that. Mm -hmm. and, and there's part of it sonically and then part of it's like song craft and songwriting, like what, you know, I'm some of my proudest writing, if you know what I mean. Some of the stuff that like when I'm a 60 year old man, I want to be able to look back up and go, you know, yeah, that, you know, that's, that's some of my best work. Um, so there's a bit of that in it as well as to why they're on there. Um, and yeah, hopefully, I mean, if we can have a right good year, like I say, it's only it's only money and opportunity. So like the songs are there to go and release twelve new tracks on a brand new record. But um, at the minute, the money's not. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the job this year to uh, sell enough records and, and you know sell enough movies to um, to fund the next one. Really. But I mean, that all sounds that all sounds amazing. Um, obviously, before the album comes out, the new single "Cynical" uh, next Friday. So. Everybody check that out. Um, Gag-wise, do you know what you've got coming up this year so far? Yeah, yeah. We've uh, we've had um, a good little batch of festivals already come in. So, obviously, we announced Your City. Um, so, Your City we're actually doing in conjunction with our album launch in Stoke. Um, so, on May the 3rd, um, our big album launch party will also open Your City Festival for this year. So, we'll headline the Friday. Um, and then there'll be, you know, um, an even better lineup this year than there's been because like small festivals grow. So that's a great one to get on the board early. Um, we've not announced it yet, but I'm happy to mention it because we know we've got it. And we're playing Jurassic Fields in Dorset with Reverend and the Makers from the main stage with them on a Friday night in July. Um, we've got a, um, a weekender in Derby. It's called the Weekend Festival. I think um, Scouting and Top Loader are headlining that. We're on the main stage with them. That'll be great. Um, there's another couple of nice ones that I can't mention right now <laughs> just in case they don't come yeah. up you get a wee mini tour as well aren't you kind of around about the album as well May yeah so May we've got um, 
trying to remember it off the top of my head now. We are Stoke, uh, Birmingham, London, Leeds, Nottingham, Manchester, Liverpool. Yeah. <laughs> ending ends in Liverpool um, at the end of release week. And hopefully, like everything crossed, like we'll find out at your position the night of that Liverpool gig. Yeah. So um, you know, if if we can if we can sneak into the top forty this year, um, there will be some drinking in Liverpool that night. I can assure you, we will have one hour of a party. Um, so and we'll what about Scottish gigs? Is there any plans at any point to travel further north? Absolutely love to come up and play Scotland, man. Again, it's just um, it's just making it make sense, you know, money and time wise. So, like for example, like if we go and play Glasgow, like I was seeing a girl from Glasgow actually at the start of last year, uh, so I know the trip to Glasgow and back quite well. Um, so it's like four hours for us on a train, maybe five hours driving. Um, so if we if we got to play Glasgow or Edinburgh or, or you know anywhere north of the border, you're talking like at least a one to rent something to get there in. <laughs> um, yeah, in fuel. Um, maybe digs. So you slightly it becomes like a four five hundred pound exercise just to go and play the gig. So it has to make sense on whether we'll make that money back, and then um, like tying maybe two or three together in a run. So we go and do like you know Glasgow, Dundee, Edinburgh, whatever. It's like yeah, something. well that that's the thing. I mean, you could do the four the four cities quite easily, probably Dundee, Aberdeen, Edinburgh, Glasgow, but it it means having the fan base up here as well, doesn't it? If you've not played these gigs, you you don't like to book a tour and then you turn up and you get eight people at, at the venues. So, I mean, to be totally honest, like the whole plan this year is to use the album as a tool to try and grow the band and try and get a foot in, you know, in places where we haven't got a foot in at the minute. Yeah. So like, if we can top 40, if we can get decent radio support for the singles, um, you know, if following the release of the album, um, the festival season goes really well and we, we, branch out and make more and more noise it's just like it's just like gravity being in a band like the more good noise you make the more people get sucked into the world that you're creating and growing um so like the whole plan this year is to use the album to make as much noise as we possibly can and then you know if we can get if we can do you know 50 tickets in four cities in scotland within the scotland you know <laughs> yeah. we're at the minute the minute we're not there yet so i mean it's just it's it's snakes and ladders man we've not got to that we're not got today yet. Yeah, so. well, there, that that could be that, that's the name of your second album, right? There, snakes and ladders. That I mean, nod to the industry. That'd be ideal. Um, I I mean, I'll post links to all your your socials. I'll post a link to your Patreon. Um, post a link for pre-ordering the album, all that stuff. But I, it's been a pleasure having you on. Um, you. obviously you. the last bit of the podcast might have been called Time for Heroes. I asked my guests to pick. Four heroes to come for dinner. Why they're your heroes and what you cook them as well. Ah, what we're cooking. Yeah. Great. Right, okay. Um, yeah, I mean, um, I've gone two music and then two like other interests out of music. And it's only me. This doesn't represent the lines either. <laughs> <laughs> so like um I mentioned my, my music tattoos, like Ray Davis out of the Kinks is my like my all time favourite songwriter. Brilliant. Just love I love his voice and I love like just one of the best power pop singles bands I think ever. Like just the greatest choruses and like authenticity is a really important word for me. Like I believe every single word that comes out of his mouth, even in the daft stuff that he's doing, I can feel him being daft in like dedicated yeah. following like that. So like I mean, um, to sit to to sit down and uh, have their food with Ray Davis, that would that would that would be great. <laughs> That'd be um, brilliant, eh? Uh, if you're having a kink, you've got to have a beetle as well. So we'll have Maca 
um, just for the stories, man. I mean, can you imagine being able to sit down and peck his head about some of the stuff that, you know, they've known. So Paul McCartney's there. Um, and I'm going to have Stanley Matthews as a Stoke-on-Trent representative. First footballer to win the Ballon d'Or, first footballer to be knighted, absolute bastion of the game. And <laughs> grew up 15 minutes from where I live, so we'll have Stanley Matthews. And then um, a bit of a rogue one. Um, I said films. Rocky One is like my favourite film. Right. I think if um, I think if the other Rockies hadn't followed it in the series, where it became a bit of a caricature, like that first one would have gone down alongside like Raging Bull and like some of the some of the great sports movies of all time. Um, so I'd have Stallone because I think um, I'd like to I'd like to speak to him about Rocky all night because like inspirational like. I like sports. It's like a really good metaphor for life, and rock is probably the best embodiment of that, of getting knocked down and keeping going. You know, so um, we'll have Stallone, Stanley Matthews, Paul McCartney, and Ray Davis. I'm cool. loving these choices as well. I mean, see if I start it like my series two. Like I've done fifty episodes and then I wiped it and I started again series two. And the difference in Heroes that have been picked this series, it's been like everybody seems to pick like a couple of new ones every time. Yeah. Um the other day somebody picked Ringo Star. Um I've done like I'm on about seventy episodes and it's the first time Ringo Star had ever been picked. Yeah. So yeah. I but I mean like Stanley Matthews never been picked, Ray Davies never been picked. So it's nice to hear all these new new ones coming in. Yeah, man, absolutely. I mean, um, yeah, you've got to get a Stokey in there somewhere. He's probably Stokes' most famous son. Yeah, I mean, I do like I, I do like people picking footballers as well. It's nice to have a a bit of football chat as well. Yeah. Um, I noticed you did the pack that Haskabanovic, so so <laughs> that says it all. Well, he's got time yet. You know what I mean? You no, know, <laughs> Stan played till he was fifty, so um, so maybe Axe maybe Axe got a bit more time yet to to get on the list, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and what are you cooking these guys? Uh, what are we cooking? Um, we're going to have Staffordshire oat cakes. Do you know what a Staffordshire oat cake is? Um, I, I'm imagining it's uh, something um, famous for Stoke. <laughs> so a Staffordshire oat cake, it's like it's like a breakfast food. You have it with like it's like a pancake, but it's savoury. Right. Uh, and you have it with um, sausage, bacon, egg, beans. So anybody, it's like it looks like a pancake, but you have it with like breakfast food. That sounds but like a breakfast wrap type thing. Exactly that, yeah. That sounds amazing. Actually, as I say, as I'm trolling near your Instagram, but I thought it might be like a pie or something because you seem to be right into your pies. Yeah, yeah, man. I, somebody, um, an old girlfriend described my uh, my uh, uh, culinary like you know choices as uh, traditional and beige. Um, so that was that was for a long time. That was kind of what it was. Um, but I've I've, I've Updated it recently. I eat a lot better now than I used to, <laughs> just to uh, keep the weight off. If anything, man, it's got to be done. Um, so uh, yeah, Staffordshire oat cakes for dinner. Brilliant! That that sounds amazing. That's something that I, I'll need to come down and try that. Yeah, man. I tell you what, if we come to Scotland, we'll bring you some up. I've actually got like relatives like who have left Stoke and gone to live around like different places around the world, and they have us send them oat cakes because you can't get them anywhere else. Right. Yeah. So like like my mum like posts oat cakes to like my uncle who lives in Andover down south and stuff like that still, and he's lived there for forty years. <laughs> so it's uh, yeah you can't get them anywhere else, and um, they're really good. You should try some. Yeah, I'm going. I'm going to look that up definitely. That sounds amazing. Um, 
I as I say, I'll post all your links, I'll post your Patreon and all that, and we'll we'll try and get you a wedge of cash coming in for this second album. Um but I absolute pleasure having you on. Cheers, Martin. Thank you very much, mate. Really good chatting. I really Thank um you. yeah, I love the whole like kind of vibe and the stuff that you're into. Like it's exactly what we all the kind of world of bands that you love, man. It's exactly what we are and what we buzz off. And yeah, I'm glad to Brilliant. Thank you. I hope you all enjoyed this episode of Time for Heroes podcast. If you would like to get in touch, the best way is on the Facebook page, Time for Heroes podcast, or on Instagram at Time for Heroes podcast, or Twitter at Time for Heroes P1, or drop me an email at Time for Heroes pod at gmail.com You'll find Time for Heroes on all podcast platforms including Spotify, Apple, Google and Amazon. Please leave a review where you can, share with others and more importantly, enjoy. Enjoy.